0: Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? And what is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father? We approach Your throne with grace of grace and mercy this morning, thanking You for this beautiful day. Thinking of spring, Father, helps us to remember the reawakening of Earth, and also that You're so powerful, You're so lovely, and You're so awesome. We've sang about you this morning, and we know, Father, as we sing these songs, that it brings our minds back to you where we need to be. We thank you for this opportunity to be here as a family of believers who are trying their best to live for you. Father, there are so many things that are on our hearts this morning. I especially want to thank you, Father, for the health that I have now. We ask you, Father, there are others out there in the sound of my voice at home, in nursing homes, in hospitals who sometimes feel forgotten. Father, help us to pray for them, to do the things that we can to help them, especially in prayer, Father. We thank you for them, uh, those that have gotten better, those that are in our service today who have been out, we're so grateful, Father, for the help you've given us. The health that we have is because you are with us each and every day. We ask you, Father, continue to be with those that are in the hospitals, nursing homes, those that are suffering in all the ways that we don't know. Father, you know our hearts and you know our mind. You know the very hair on our heads. You're so close to us that we can feel you in our service this morning. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit in a way that will open up the eyes of all of us through the the preaching of the word that Danny will give us shortly. We ask you to be with him. May he do that and do it in a way that will open up hearts and minds to walk with you each day. And as we walk each day, Father, we know that we will fall. We falter and sometimes we do and say things that you're not pleased with. Please forgive us, Father. All those that are here this morning, we all know in one mind that you are the ruler of all universe. You care about each person on this planet. We ask you, Father, as I think about that, I think about the Ukraine. All the suffering that people are going through there. We pray for them, Father. We pray for the Christians that are there and those that are suffering in any way. And we pray, Father, as our leaders. Yes, Father, our leaders. Look to you for guidance. Look to you for the things that need to be done. And let's not wait, Father. Help us to move on this and pray that things will go better over there, that the war will end. Please interfere in it, Father. Please take it away from us. Father, we ask you to be with our our members here. Our shepherds, our ministers, our staff. We know we have a great family here. And as a family, we know we make mistakes, so help us to pick each other up each day and walk with you. As we think about spring and summer and fall, we think about all the blessings you lay on our hearts. And there are many people that are blessed but no more than we are in America. We ask you, Father, be with those that have lost loved ones and those that are facing those problems in their lives. There's no other place to go but to you, Father. You are our strength. You are our courage. You are our king. And Father, we ask you as we think about our brother Jesus Christ who gave his life for each one of us here in this audience, We can't help but Father shed a tear for what he had to go through so that he could save a group like us. Go with us, Father, as we approach this day and the coming days ahead. Watch over us all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: charlie let's all stand as we sing this song mighty to save before andy's lesson when i looked at andy's topics and was choosing songs this one came to my mind pretty quickly and i realize it may be new to a number of folks so if you do know it let's please sing out but as always above all um, let's let's listen to these words as we sing to each other Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations.
2: Good morning, good to see you this morning, glad that we can be here together and worship God, appreciate uh, the songs that we have been able to sing together, appreciate the prayers that have been prayed, appreciate the opportunity that we have to talk about God's word this morning. If you're visiting with us, thanks for being our guest. Again, we appreciate you and hope that you'll give us a little bit of time after services to get to know you a little bit better, see if there's anything we can do to help you. Certainly there's probably some ways that you can help us as we journey towards our heavenly home. Uh, This week, we're continuing talking about our new mission and vision. Uh, The shepherds here, along with the ministry team, have put some uh, months of work into this, much prayer and study, and tried to determine what do we want to be about as God's people here at Jefferson Avenue, what we want to focus on? In everything that we do, what's the, the first filter that we want all of our actions and our activities and our ministry to go through? And we settled on this, not to diminish anything else in God's Word, but to recognize and realize that in God's Word, these are some of the most important things. We want to love God above all things, with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. Today we're going to talk about we want to love others, we want to love our neighbors as ourselves. And in the coming weeks we'll talk about we want to be disciples of Jesus, we want to be his followers, and we want to help other people be followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, this These past couple of weeks we have uh, had a lot of things going on, and, and I want to let everybody know and remind everybody about those things, that if you haven't been involved over the last three weekends, uh, you've missed out on a lot of things, uh, and let you know that there are things going on continuing uh, in the weeks to come and we want you to be a part of it and we're glad that you're here today uh, we're glad that you're here to worship God That's the most important thing you can do the best way that you can start your week uh, but more than likely you need a little bit more than that to be the faithful Christian that you want to be and that God wants you to be so we want to invite you to come and be a part of who we are of what we're doing here, of the things that we're talking about and thinking about. the You know, the last three weekends, we've had uh, Super Sunday a couple few weeks ago. Uh, then on that uh, Friday and Saturday, we had uh, Meals on Wheels that our men's ministry was doing. And we had a ladies' event just, just this past uh, uh, Friday that was a get-to-know-you or a better-together uh, event. And, and that was, uh, was very, very nicely decorated and very very ladylike. And in contrast to that... We had Nerf and Nachos with the boys over in the gym uh, where we shot each other and, and ate nachos and made a big mess. And we're still going to clean that up later today, I promise, eventually. Uh, but there's lots of things going on, is what I want you to, to recognize and realize. There's service projects going on. There's fellowship opportunities. There's chances for us to do life together. And that's what we want to do. We want to invite you to do that. Not only those who have been here for decades and decades, which there certainly are some people here who have done that, but if you're brand new. If this is your first time visiting with us, we want you to come alongside us and live this life, walk this way, and go towards heaven together. This morning, we want to think about loving others. We want to love God with everything we've got, and we want to love others. We want to think about and remind ourselves, who are we? Who are we here at Jefferson Avenue? And when we think about this, when we think about loving others, we recognize that in the Bible, uh, the, the phrase or the, uh, the couple words, one another, Happen some hundred times in the New Testament. Uh, love one another, care for one another, be devoted to one another, all of these types of things. And about 59 of those hundred times relate to our interactions with each other as God's people and our interaction with other people uh, in, in the world. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to jump around a little bit in 1 John chapter 4, chapter 3, chapter 2. We're going to jump around a few different passages. But if you want to think about Love in general, love for God, and certainly a love for one another as we think about love for the church. 1 John is the place to go. Uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 is the chapter of love, uh, but if we think about loving one another and our relationship together, 1 John is the book that you want to go to. So, this, this phrase, one another, happens 59 times again in the New Testament that talks about our relationship with one another. But let's think about it. If we're supposed to love God, and that's what our, our first filter of uh, with anything and everything we do every decision that we make filters through loving God and then also loving others. 1 John chapter 4, let's start in verse 7. 1 John 4 starting in verse 7. Again, this is a message of God to his people. So if you're a Christian this morning, this relates to you. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And the one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world. So that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God. But that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved. If God so loved us. We also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If anyone. If we love one another. God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. Let's go back again to verse 11 and 12. Read that again. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected or completed in us. That last verse, I think, really is powerful. No one has seen God at any time. Now you can think back maybe to some of those Old Testament examples of people partially seeing God or having some sort of interaction with God. You think about Moses and Elijah and a few other people like that. But but he says no one has really experienced God in his fullest. But then he says, do you know how we experience God today? If you have love for one another. No one's seen God at any time, but if we love one another, then His love is perfected in us. The way that we recognize and appreciate and understand more about God, part of it is by loving and caring about one another. Skip down to verse 19 through 21. We love because He, God, first loved us. If someone says, and listen to this, this is for you, Christian, I love God, and he hates his brother, he's a liar, and the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that want that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Brothers and sisters, we are clearly there is no doubt about it, there is no wiggle room, there is no exception. We must love one another. The church is best when we love one another, but it's not an option. It's not an option that that, that someone did me wrong, or someone did something that I don't like, or they they live this way, or they live that way. If they are Christians, because all of us are imperfect, so they could say the very same thing about you. They live this way, they live that way, they did this to me, they did that to me. We still must and ought to love one another. Now, again, to what extent? Turn back to 1 John chapter 3. To what extent must I love my brother? How much should I love my brother, First John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, First John 3:16 through 18. We know love by this. We know what love is by this: that He, God Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought also also to lay down our lives for the brethren. To what extent, what did that verse just say? To what extent, to what extreme should I love you? He said, well, Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought also to love one another in that same way. That means that I treat you better than me. That means that I treat you as more important than me. That means that if there's something that would be better for you and worse for me, then I do what's better for you, even if it's worse for me. Now there's growth and there's understanding and there's maturity all involved in all of that, but, but we must understand that, that the extent of our love for God and our love for each other are related. Look at verse 17: "But he who has the world's goods and see his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, here it is: Let us love God let us not love God with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's, it's easy to, and I think that probably we should say more often how we, we love each other. Uh, there's a, uh, there's a, a post on Facebook that's been around for a little while, and you, you may have seen it, uh, but it's talking about normalizing things. You know, uh, some things that we, that we need to normalize, uh, you know, recently over the last several decades, it's become much more normal in a good way. I know there, the world has taken some things and made them normal in a very bad way. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the need for uh, mental health services, the need for medication in those ways, there are legitimate needs there, right? We understand that. And maybe decades ago, uh, that wasn't the case, and it was kind of shunned and kept quiet. But now we understand the importance of counseling and talking and thinking about things, and even from time to time, taking uh, medication to help us with those things. People are we're, we're getting that, and we've, we've normalized that in our society in a lot of ways, and in a good way. But what this, this post, it's kind of funny, but I think it's, it's uh, also profound. It tells us to, to normalize telling your friends that you love them. And then it says, make it weird. And I, I, just, I think that's kind of funny. Uh, and, I, and I think that that's something that, that we need to do. And I know that's not everybody's personality. And I know not everybody's comfortable with that. But we need to as God's people. We must. There is no option here. I must love you. I must. You must love me. Even when I preach a bad sermon, you still got to love me. All right. You must love, we must love each other as God's people. And I think that it would be helpful. I think that it would be helpful for us to, to normalize telling each other, Hey, I love you. I love you, Andy. Amen. All right. Don't everybody at the same time. Uh, save it for when you're walking out the door. I'll be there. Uh, but let's, let's normalize those things of telling each other. And, and, and then let's do what we just said. Don't just do it in word or deed, John. But do it, don't do it in word or tongue, but do it in, in deed and in action. Let's really love each other. Why, why is that important? Why is that important? What's, what's the purpose? What's, what's the end? What's the reason that we need to love each other? Well, Jesus talks about that too. In John chapter 14, excuse me, John chapter 13, right before chapter 14 where the, he says, uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me and my Father's house or many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'll come back well, one of the things that, that has troubled them, in John chapter 13, starting in verse 34, he says, a new commandment I give to you. And we, we're, we're struck by Jesus saying it's a new commandment, because it's really not a new commandment, and First John kind of talks about that again, but he does make it a little different. He, he raises the level of it. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Well, that's not new, but the new part is, to the same extent that I love you. You also ought to love one another. And then here's the, here's the reason. Why should we love one another? We, we clearly must. It's a command. There's no option about it. But what's the end? Why should we love each other to the extent of giving up our own good for the good of, of each other? By this, Jesus says, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. If more than just a handful of us, if more than just a few of us, but if we as a a group of God's people truly, diligently, and daily loved each other the way that Jesus loved us, there would be no doubt in the minds of everyone around us that we are disciples of Christ. That's why it's important that we love each other. But, the mission that we're talking about here, the greatest commands that Jesus gives to us when he says, the first greatest command is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second one is not, and that you love each other. There's a big difference. He doesn't say, and the second is like it, that you love each other. He doesn't say that. Now, First John has told us that, the importance of us as a, as a body of Christ loving each other. But what he says is, Jesus says, the second greatest commandment, the second most important thing, that all of the law, all of the prophets, all of the Old Testament, and I think we could argue all of the New Testament, hang on, is not only love God, but love your neighbor as yourself. And do you remember what was read to us earlier, what Dave read to us, that last verse? Remember, there was the lawyer who came to Jesus and he asked him, uh, what's the what's the greatest commandment? And he says, hey, you, you've answered well. And then he says... Wishing to justify himself, he asked, But who is my neighbor? What comes after that in Scripture? You know what comes after that, don't you? Most of us do. The story of the Good Samaritan, right? The story of a a, a parable that Jesus uses uh, to teach us who our neighbor is. Now, this would be very pertinent to a Jewish audience, okay? Okay. Jesus is there and he's talking to a lawyer. Uh, he, this is not a, a lawyer like we think about lawyer. This isn't someone who is, is, is well-studied in, in, uh, in civil law. This is not that kind of lawyer. This is someone who studied God's law, which certainly has civil law in it, but he studied God's law and he knows God's law. And this this Jewish man, this Jewish lawyer, extremely knowledgeable, answers the right way, but he's wishing to justify himself, and he says, okay, well, who's my neighbor? And what he wants to hear probably from Jesus is, make sure you love your Jewish brethren. That's probably what he wants to hear. Maybe even in his mind he's saying, he's thinking, what I really want to hear is I've got to make sure that I take care and love my family, my own. Maybe he's thinking about, he's, he's maybe trying to think about it smaller and smaller and smaller, So really, he doesn't really want to have to love everybody. He just wants to have to love those people who love him and mean something to him. Because why? That's natural. It's easy for us to love the people that matter to us. But Jesus tells the story of the Sermon on the Mount. Remember there's a guy, he's on a trip between Jerusalem and Jericho. Uh, He's walking down a a dirt path like they had in the first century. Uh, In theory, that's what we can picture in our mind. And what happens to him? There's a group of robbers, and they they jump him, and they beat him up, and they take everything that he has, and he's left on the side of the road, beaten and bloodied and possibly unclothed, and he's there, and he is just left for dead. And then these two religious people come by, one at a time, a priest and a Levite. They come by, and and it doesn't say that they they don't see him. It, It specifically says they see the man. Not only do they see the man and not do anything, not only do they see the man and keep walking, but what do they do? They cross to the other side of the road. They don't want to be anywhere near this man. They clearly know this guy has a need. And they don't do anything to help him. They completely ignore him. They do nothing for him. And then there's the Samaritan. And again importance of knowing the context of the bible is important here because the reason jesus probably uses a samaritan is because the jews would have looked down on the samaritans this goes back to old testament history when the the babylonians and the assyrians took uh, the israelites into captivity there were some people who were left and those people who were left intermarried with the people of the land and they became samaritans they're half jewish half not jewish and the people who were of pure jewish bloodline they look down upon them they think of them uh, just as not as good as the jewish people is what they would think about religiously at least and so jesus using a samaritan is not by accident he does it on purpose he says this person that all of you look down on and think about as not being a good person he's the only one of these three people who does anything right he sees the man he goes to him he cleans his wound. He bandages them up. He puts them on his animal. He takes him to the next town. He buys two nights worth of stay at a hotel and says to the, the innkeeper, Hey, if there's any other cost, if a doctor's got to come in, if you've got to feed him, if, if there's any other cost, I'll pay you when I get back. So the Samaritan helps this man. And then let's turn to the passage. Let's turn to, to Luke chapter 10. Let's read uh, the conclusion of it and make sure that we catch the point. Luke chapter 10. Turn your Bibles there. Might want to mark this, might want to underline it, might want to take notes on it. Luke chapter 10. We'll start in verse 35 just to catch the end of the story. And we'll read through verse 37. It says, On the next day he took out two denarii and gave to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I return, I will repay you. Okay, there's the end of the story. And here's Jesus' words next. Which of these, remember he's asking, answering the question, who is my neighbor? The guy's trying to to justify himself. Which of these three, the the Levite, the priest, or the Samaritan, do you think proved to be a neighbor? Remember, the second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Prove to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands. And the lawyer says, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go. And do the same. The one who showed mercy to him. Here at Jefferson Avenue. And the reality is for all Christians. But we've chosen to focus on it. Because Jesus says it's important. We need to love not just each other. Though we must. But we must love everyone. Everyone who's in need of mercy. Who proved himself to be a neighbor to this man? The one who showed him mercy. The one who saw the need for help and helped him. We need to love everyone, even the least of these. In Matthew chapter 25, we won't take the time to turn there, but a a fantastic passage, Matthew 25, 31 and following, there's the judgment scene. Well, anytime there's a judgment scene talking about people who are going to heaven and people who are going to hell, I need to pay attention to that because one day I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of God and I want to know what's going on. And he says on that day, he separates them and he says uh, to, to some of them, he says, you, you saw me and you fed me. You saw me and you clothed me. You saw me and you gave me something to drink. You saw me and you visited me. You saw my needs and you met them. And then he says to the other group, hey, you saw me and you didn't help me. You saw me and you, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. You didn't do all the same things that they did, you didn't do. And both groups say, both groups say the same words. Hey, when do we see you, Jesus? When do we see you thirsty? When do we see you naked? When do we see you in prison? When do we, we do any of these things? And the, the, the only distinction between the two groups in that passage, now there are other distinctions, but in, in that passage in Matthew, the only distinction between those who are pleasing in God's sight and those who are not pleasing in God's sight is the ones who are pleasing helped even the least of these. Meaning, they didn't just help their friends, They didn't just help their family. They didn't just help people who were important in society. They helped anyone who had a need. Even the people who could never pay them back. Even the people who had absolutely nothing else to offer to them in return. They helped even the least of these. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Let's read verses 43 through 48. Matthew chapter 5 forty three through forty eight. You know these these passage probably Matthew five, forty three through forty eight. We need to love everyone, everyone who's in need of mercy. We need to love everyone, everyone, even the least of these, even people who can't offer us anything in return. We need to love everyone, even our enemies. Jesus says this on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, forty three and following. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I, I love the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is extremely practical, and time and time again he says, look, this was the old standard. This was the old acceptable way to live, but he never leaves it there. And he always says, but I call you to a higher standard. So today, Christian, you can be kind, you can be loving, you can be a servant, you can do all of those things by the world standard, and Jesus would look at you and say, you've heard that, but I'm calling you to this. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? Why? So that you may be sons of the Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And listen to this. For if you love those who love you. What reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers. What more are you doing than any other? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore. Child of God. Therefore. Disciple of Christ. Therefore. Therefore the man and the woman who are trying to follow Jesus to heaven, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's not an easy standard, but it's the standard to which we have been called. When we say love others, yes, that means love each other. But we must not stop there. In my experience as a Christian, which admittedly is less than some of yours. My experience as a Christian, we have no problem generally accepting the idea that we ought to love each other. Sometimes we have a problem actually doing that, but we have no problem accepting the idea that we're supposed to love each other. We have a much harder problem accepting the idea and an even harder problem actually practicing loving all others. Loving our neighbors as ourselves, Loving our enemies. Loving the least of these. Loving anyone who's in need of mercy. But there is no doubt. We must love everyone. For God so loved the world and everyone in it that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When we think about who we are at J.A., We want to be. And we are striving to be. And we are trying to put into place in all of our ministries and in all of our efforts a love for everyone. A love for each other. And a love for the lost. What does that mean? What it means for you, what it means for me, is that when I see needs like that good Samaritan, I need to meet those needs in whatever ways that I can. Even if it's an inconvenient Even if it's uncomfortable, I need to love people like Jesus loved people. I love the the idea we hear a few times in Scripture that as Jesus is looking over a city or as Jesus is looking over a crowd of people, it often says he had what? He had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He loved them and cared about them and wanted good for them. What does it mean for us as a congregation? What it means for us as a congregation is that we as a congregation and we want to invite everyone else in our community to come with us, to come to us and to be like Jesus. Not to be like us, not to be like what we think we should be, unless that's exactly what Jesus wants us to be. Let's all come to be like Jesus. What's that mean for our community? What's that mean for your neighbor, the person who lives right beside you? What's that mean for your neighbor at work, the person who's in the cubicle beside you or in the checkout line beside you? What's it mean for you when you're driving down the road, the person who's in the car right beside you? What does it mean for for us as Christians in our community that we simply strive to fulfill Luke chapter 6 and verse 31? Treat others the same way you would have them treat you. Again, for most of us this morning, you haven't heard anything new. And you know that what the bible says is true. The difficulty, the problem and the challenge is to make it more than words. Remember what John said, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. Our challenge today is to truly love each other. Our challenge today is to truly have a love for the lost. And that means that, yes, we'll have to be uncomfortable, and yes, we'll have to do things that, that we probably don't want to do, and I'll have to give up my desires and my wants and maybe even my rights for the good of other people. As an individual and as a congregation, we may have to do that. But what are, why are we trying to do that? Why are we trying to love each other? So that the world can know that we are disciples of Christ. Why are we trying to love others? So that they can come to know Jesus the same way that you and I know him. I want to, and I trust that you want to, with your actions, with your words, and with this congregation, to positively affect the population of heaven. I want there to be more people in heaven through God's grace and their obedience to the gospel because of the things that we do. And if that's not the case, then we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. The purpose of the church is to be the kingdom here on earth and to win people to Jesus, to share the gospel with them, to show them his love and to draw them closer to him. You know, when Jesus had those large crowds uh, going along with him, even on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, you know, in Matthew chapter 4, well, in Matthew 5, he preaches that wonderful sermon, right? Matthew 5, 6, 7, at the end of it, they're amazed by his teaching. And, and surely, no doubt, there are people there who say, I want to be with Jesus, I want to follow Jesus. And, and many of those thousands of people, no doubt, become disciples, followers of Jesus that day. And maybe later on, they would become Christians. But in Matthew chapter 4, it tells us why they were there. He had been going around from city to city, healing the sick, helping the needy, teaching the truth. What do we need to be doing today? Helping people who are sick, helping the needy, and teaching the truth. If we do those things, we prove our love to our neighbors. This morning, if you're not a Christian, uh, God came to die for you Not because you're so great, because he's so great. He came to make you perfect because you're not perfect. To make you complete, to make you more like his son. If you want to know more about that or if you're convicted by that and you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrected son of God and you'll allow him to lead your life, you'll repent of your sins and turn to him and you're willing to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, we're ready to help you in that. If you've never heard about any of that, let us know and let us show you what God's Word says. That's all we'll show you. We're not interested in anything else. Brothers and sisters, nothing new today, but let's do what we know we should do. If you have any needs this morning, you need to let us know. We invite you to come down and let us know during this song as we stand and sing.